This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the Church in Lord's Day 33 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 549 in the Book of Praise. Here the Church confesses what is the true repentance or conversion of man. It is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. What is the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. But what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith accordance with the law of God and to his glory, and not those based on our own opinion or on precepts of men. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this morning we talked a bit about bridegrooms and brides, and we're going to stay with the wedding theme this afternoon, except that we're going to think about the journey to the wedding. Imagine if your friend in BC was going to get married or maybe a family member and you were very eager to be there to celebrate with your friend or your relative. So what does it take for you to go from Edmonton to somewhere in BC? Well, there's only two things you need to do, really. Make sure you're on the right highway and going the right direction and make sure that on the way there you adjust to the circumstances, to the weather, the curves, the hills, the valleys, so that you can stay on the road. Well, in the scripture, life is sometimes compared to a person walking along a path. Psalm 84 is a very good example of that. And the Holy Spirit makes it clear then in all of scripture that it matters which path which road you are on. It reminds us of our Lord Jesus' teaching after warning that there is a wide gate leading to an easy path that leads to destruction. The Lord Jesus taught that whoever believes in him will need to walk through a narrow gate down a difficult path that leads to life, the life that comes only from him. When God works in our lives, he first places us on the road where Christ Jesus is Lord, and then he makes us want to stay on the road. Sometimes God takes us away from one path that's going in the wrong direction and places us on the path to life in a very dramatic way. Our lives are changed completely, like, for example, the Greek converts in the New Testament or any who've converted to the Christian faith who are among us here today or listening. Sometimes we are born in a home of believers and we only come to see that we are already on the right path after much teaching and reflection and prayer. We think, uh, for example, of, of Timothy. But however it happens, every child of God will know that he or she has been given a new life in Christ. 
And by God's grace to us in Jesus Christ, we are placed on that narrow path that leads to life that Jesus Christ speaks of. And now everyone on that path who has been chosen from eternity to everlasting life will proceed to their destination as they progress through a process of decisions, and changes, and corrections that can be compared to a journey. And I preach to you this gospel under the following theme, God's, God's people are sanctified in Christ for the journey of sanctification. That's sanctified in Christ, placed on the correct road, being called holy. First thing we'll see, and we proceed to the destination. That's that journey of sanctification or becoming holy. Being holy, being called holy, and becoming holy at the same time. If you were born of believing parents, and if you were baptized in a Reformed church, your parents probably publicly professed that they believed that you, though conceived and born in sin, and therefore subject to all sorts of misery, even to condemnation, are sanctified in Christ. And thus, as members of his church, ought to be baptized. Being sanctified in Christ means being a member of Christ's church. And by baptism, as a sign of the covenant, we, we confess in Lord's Day 27 of the Heidelberg Catechism, the children of believers are incorporated into the Christian church and distinguished from the children of unbelievers. If you have parents who are believers, you can know that when you were still just rocking the diaper look as a little eating and sleeping, drooling baby. God had you set apart in Christ to be in the very place where he was working salvation. You were born in the church on the road bridge across the, the flames of judgment, that bridge that leads from the garden of paradise to the glorious golden city. Sanctified in Christ is being separated from the waters of destruction and set upon the boat that takes you from the first creation that was destroyed and carries you to the new creation. You can be compared to the covenant people in the Old Testament who were born, says Paul in Romans 9, uh, verses 4 and 5, they were born into the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises through whom God came to the world in his only son and brought salvation. The promises of God for children who are baptized are as real for you as presents that are already in your hands. And whoever believes in those promises to be true will see that they had always had them as a reality in their lives. It's like we sang in Psalm 84, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God. There are also children who are not born to believing parents and who did not begin their lives in a place that is separate from the world. They would compare it to being born in a car that is being driven by someone who keeps the car on a road 
that will never get closer to Christ Jesus because they never humble themselves before the Lord. And they're either going in the opposite direction or they are taking a, a parallel road like hypocrites who only go through the motions of a faithful life. The children in that car become sanctified in Christ. If by God's grace one or both parents is converted, truly repents, converts to the Christian faith, and then to use the analogy, changes direction and merges on to the, the highway of the kingdom of God that leads to Zion where Christ is Lord. Now, if their parents do not turn from Satan to, to God, the children themselves can still become set apart and sanctified in Christ. If they truly repent of their sins, they respond to the preaching of the gospel by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If they change their lives, that true repentance, that conversion that we confess in Lord's Day 33. It's a wonderful gospel. In his miraculous grace, the triune God intervenes in the lives of, of the people here on earth, and, and he also oversees or sees that some people who were born in darkness are powerfully awakened to the faith. He washes their sins and sanctifies them as they are declared righteous in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. So when we look at it closely, then we can see that although they are both sanctified in Christ, set apart in Christ, baptized children who have not yet made a public profession of faith are in a different position than unbelievers who are converted to, the, to Christianity later in life and are baptized as they publicly profess their faith. If you look at the form for the baptism of adults, you can see the explanation. I'll read it here. Although the children of believers are not able to understand these things, the promises, they must be baptized by virtue of the covenant. Adults, however, may not be baptized unless they, conscious of their sins, repent and profess their faith in Christ. Therefore also today no other adults should be baptized than those who have learned to understand by the preaching and instruction of the gospel the glorious contents of holy baptism and thus are able to give account of their faith by personal profession. And then we see that God is using different means to increase the number of those who are set apart in his covenant and congregation. Adults converting to the faith can be compared to people turning off the road that leads to destruction and, and turning on to the road that leads to life in Jesus Christ. Children who are being brought along with, with, their, with their converting parents can be compared to passengers in that turning car. And children born to believing parents who are already members of the church can be compared to children who are born in a car that is already going in that right direction. And so children who are sanctified in Christ by virtue of the covenant must learn about the triune God and his promises so that they too, by God's grace, can give account to their faith by personal profession, 
And so embrace the path that they have been set on by God's grace. And so however it came about in your life, you see that knowing that you are in the church, in Christ, covenant and congregation, sanctified, set apart in Christ, that's an extremely rich and a wonderful comfort. It's a wonderful comfort to be called holy, to be told that you belong. It doesn't mean that you are now without sin, but it means that by God's sovereign grace, you have been placed into the church, which is the body of Christ, the workshop of the Holy Spirit. And we could see that no matter what your situation is, the fact that you are a part of a church is completely a result of God's amazing grace. It's a declaration made to God about us from outside of us. It's a statement that gives us assurance of our place, of our identity in Jesus Christ. And as God makes the statement that you are holy in Christ, sanctified in him by God's grace, he also calls us to embrace the truth, to live in it, to, to remain on that path. Everyone who is in Christ will show this by what they do, how you live your life. And as a result, you'll see that the Christian life is a, a lifelong process in which that new life, that, that being in Christ sprouts like a, a new flower and all the, the deadness, the dead leaves, it's like the old nature dying off and falling to the side. What happens is we proceed to the destination, that process of becoming holy. When you are called holy, that means you were born or placed on the path that leads to life. And that will keep you in the glorious arms of your Father forever. And so when we pray for people who are sanctified in Christ by God's grace, we pray that that person following him day by day may joyfully bear their cross and cleave to him in firm, true faith, firm hope, and ardent love. And we pray that that person comforted in Jesus Christ may on the last day appear before the judgment seat of Christ your son without fear. Life after conversion and rebirth, that initial change, that definitive sanctification, that's a life of continual conversion, a continual change. As a new creation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, to use the words of the New Testament describing the church, we are now able to believe, to repent, to love God, to love God's people and to love a world in need of the Savior. Now we are able to hunger and thirst for God. Now we are able to, to hate and hate sin and, and fight against it. And by God's grace, placed in this workshop of the Holy Spirit, 
We also want to live uh, in this life, stay on this path. And so God in his sovereign grace and power ensured that you were born to believing parents, you were brought to the church through conversion late, later in life, and all our ongoing change and transformation is also in the first place a work of God. God continues to lead and guide and help us. That's why Paul prays to the Lord that the Lord may make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, that God may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. That's 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 12 to 13. And then in Philippians 2, the apostle explains that it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And through the scriptures we read in 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 to 17, God has given you the understanding. God is the one who is opening our hearts. God is the one who, who compels you to action and to love. And so the creeds and the confessions of the church, they keep us in the gospel center of the scriptures. And they serve as guardrails and runway lights so that we can always know which road, which path the Lord is leading us on. And when we see that sanctification is primarily a work of God, for after making you able to walk toward him, placing you on that road and, and putting you in the right direction, he also gives you the desire for the destination. He shows the road to get there, and he moves your life in his powerful way so that you begin to, to, to go with the flow of God's creation. Now, ongoing sanctification also involves the work, the choices, the decisions of believers who have the Spirit in their hearts. Scripture shows that the Spirit changes our hearts so that we actually are the ones believing. And then our will so renewed by the Spirit and acted upon by God truly wants to glorify God. If you look at it from our experience, you say, yes, I'm here because I want to be here. It's from inside. It's my heart. It's my will. And as a result, the Lord can seriously urge believers in Ephesians 4 to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then again, in 1 John 3, to purify yourself or to cleanse yourselves, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So as we look at this call, we have this desire to stay on the road, we're very thankful that the Lord gave standards to guide us, teach us what it looks like to stay in the road. The standards of God's law, first revealed in the Ten Commandments, later confirmed and taught by our Lord Jesus in the New Testament. They serve as a guide and a compass for every part of our lives. The law is a tool that the Holy Spirit in our hearts 
uses to show the, what the good life with God looks like and how it is different than what our hearts sometimes desire. Now, it's a little difficult to capture our role, our responsibility beside God's work in the process of sanctification. But if we tried to do it using the analogy of a journey, we would say that the king who invited you sent you a helper. This helper gives you the ability to drive and he gives perfect instructions to guide you to the destination without getting sidetracked by wrong turns or dead ends or lengthy, unhelpful stops. And this helper leads you to repentance, to change and correct when you make a wrong turn. So this helper, he not only shows you the written word that, that gives, to, shows you the way the road was designed and the easiest way to go with the natural flow, but he also gives you the inner conviction, the desire to, to stay in that word, to stay on that road, even when it seems like most people in the world are fighting to take the hard way and to go against the current and against the flow. It's important to realize then that once we have been set apart as the people of God and the Holy Spirit is guiding us on that journey, showing us how to drive, giving us the way to go, we'll also encounter a lot of opposition. It's a unique road. And that journey involves resistance and attack. We can think of it from the Old Testament as an example. Israel was set free from slavery in Egypt. They were set on the right path. But they still had to wander in the wilderness. They had to face opposition. And then we realize that we rely on God's grace to remain on the path that leads to life. Well, we confess that that process of sanctification, that journey, we confess that it involves the, the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. That's another way of describing an ongoing battle. When Jesus taught us to pray that God might deliver us from the evil one, he made it clear that we are in a very dangerous spiritual war against the devil and the world and our own flesh, our sinful nature, which is so easily tempted by sin. We're not traveling on this journey in a, in a fancy motorhome, but rather in an armored car where the little things that give comfort in times of peace are, are not very useful. What help is a, is a microwave and, and, and a little TV screen when you're in a battle and you're heading out to, to get to your destination in the midst of much attack. Sometimes even those comforts can be misleading distractions. Well, using the analogy then of Hebrews, where there is a fierce competition, the Holy Spirit then urges us in Hebrews 12, he says, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And Ephesians 4 uses the same language when it says that we have learned, uh, what, uh, when we have learned Christ, 
We will put off our old self, which belongs to our former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. When the Holy Spirit enters our hearts to guide us on the journey, well, we grieve with heartfelt sorrow every time we offend God by our sins. And we're in that battle, that process of putting off the old nature. That means we're, we're hating and fleeing from those things that can cause our destruction. Ephesians 4 mentioned a lot of it. We, we just read it all together. What do you put off? And what do you put on? You can read it again. Meditate on that. Focuses on how we speak. Focuses on how we... We see other people, how we see money and work. Well, to use the journey example, when a person that God has set apart starts to get lured into those things that are described in Ephesians 4 and 5, it's like being distracted when you're driving, maybe by a, a telephone or maybe by a, a shiny invitation sign or maybe by a nice-looking side road. And then, as you're distracted, you just kind of swerve off, and all of a sudden, you hit the, the guardrail. You bang into the post, and you destroy your car. But when any of these things take over in our lives so that we don't repent from them, when we're governed by these desires, when we don't even fight against the addictions, or when our lives are, are focused on revenge, that's all that drives us. Or, or envy, covetousness. Well, that's like disobeying the signs that God put up, ignoring the guardrails, breaking through them, only to come to a life that leads to destruction. Well, knowing this, knowing what God has is doing for us what he has done for us whoever loves the Lord will react quickly as soon as the car bangs the guardrail they start to see the the sparks coming up they will repent of that wrong turn they will repudiate that sin they'll say that's not something I want to do again they will flee from it and return to the way that leads to life that is how the Holy Spirit is guiding us and since that happens many times in our lives, we confess we're in this constant process of dying to the old nature and then returning to God with a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and a delight to live according to the will of God. We, we could see it so clearly. We even look back, I wonder why I thought that was so attractive. I wonder why I got banged into that guardrail there. It just caused harm. What a joy it is to be back in the way that leads to life. And the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, He always wins. He always wins in the hearts of believers. And His power is so great from within you. His power is so great that when we trust in Him, also in that struggle against sins, you will see that many sins you used to struggle against so much they don't even have a pull on our hearts and minds anymore. This is the most joyful experience 
for believers to be kept on that road by the power of God. That joy of returning to God's amazing plan and purpose for your life in Jesus Christ is compared to coming to new life, coming to life. One confession says it's comparable to the resurrection or to creation. As those who have died with Christ are now also brought to life with him. It's only as we are walking away from the road that enslaves us or as we're limping away from something we've done that really has hurt who we are or relationships and we realize God is amazing. God is powerful. What a blessing it is to be in this path of life. It's all God's grace. We see it immediately as we come back, as our eyes are opened again. We see it immediately. We didn't gain the victory in our own strength. We, we wanted to do what hurt us. But we have been raised to new life in Christ. He has not left us alone as orphans. His grace and spirit are never absent from us, even as we're fighting against temptations or when we're standing up in the face of opposition. And his spirit continues to guide us in all good works as we walk on the road according to God's will. In Ephesians 5, Verse 15 urges us, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Reminds us of the message this morning. That question, how, how do you make the best use of the time you have been given? Although Jesus says there are only a few of us on this narrow path, we are also not the only ones who want to remain on this narrow path of life. We're not alone because our Lord Jesus is with us. His spirit within us guides us. But if we look around us, we will see other travelers. We'll see others who are in the same fight and seeking the same destination. They too support us. To use the analogy, we can say that they are like fellow travelers who are heading to the same wedding. Many of them are very close to us so that we can help them. Perhaps they are in the same car as we are. Perhaps we're forming a, a convoy and, and traveling together through the, the dangerous roads. Or perhaps they are only in the area so we can help each other by phone conversation, of course, using Bluetooth. Or perhaps they're in a plane overhead. Or perhaps they're in ships beside us so that we can only recognize each other from afar, but, but we can wave because we know we're going to that same destination. How encouraging it is to take that journey together with God's people, not as selfish travelers, but joyful and grateful and loving and helpful pilgrims. You are living the new life. You are living the good life. Well, let the world know this joy from your example, from your conversations with all kinds of different people you meet. And you're on a journey 
and you meet a lot of different people, well, let them know about that journey. Maybe children that you meet, maybe in your family, maybe people you, you meet in the hospital in times of emergency, maybe on the construction site, or fellow board members, or working in the oil field with you. Let them know from your diligence, from your faithfulness, from your pursuit of excellence in work and in school that you are on this road that leads to life. That too is part of the true repentance and conversion of people. It's our joy, our joy that others may see. It's the most wonderful thing to experience. Isn't it wonderful to, when people like to meet you because of your confidence and joy? And so you also give glory to God. God has placed us the path to life so that we may walk on it. His grace always leads to action. We have been called soldiers in God's army, called in his army in our place so that we may fight, so that we may proceed, go forward. And we have been set beside one another so we can help each other. The fact that you receive a family or a home visit every year is because you are already sanctified in Christ. You're members of his church on earth. The reason you need a visit is because you are in the process of being sanctified. May the Lord bless us in this journey. May he bless our ecclesiastical relationships with other churches, our, the fellowship of believers within this church, the pastoral care, the Bible studies, the informal gatherings and ways to support one another, the meetings of God's people and corporate worship, so that in all these things we may keep in step with the Spirit, we may walk forward, and we may also Enjoy the joy of knowing that Christ is our Lord and King. Amen.